May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the last Sunday, kicking off the last month of our 2023 God-Lived Life Stewardship Challenge. And we've talked about it before. When you hear the word stewardship, quite often the mind goes directly to money, right? And money is a part of stewardship. It is one of the many things that God has given to us that he wants us to use for him in, in ways that are pleasing to him for good purposes, right? But yet, throughout the first three months, the, first, the, the, the one Sunday highlight in each of these months, we haven't talked about money at all. As we've talked about the God-lived life stewardship challenge, we, we first looked at the gift of God's word, right? That, that he has given to us that we are to appreciate and to dedicate time to we talked about living the life of a disciple, right? And then we talked about the gifts of time and talents that God has given to each and every one of us and how we can use those in a God-lived life, a life of service to others. We talked about opening up our hearts and even our homes to others in living that God-lived life, the life of hospitality. And now finally here, in the last month, as we explore the God-lived life as a life lived shrewdly, yeah, now we'll talk about money. But, but it's not even just about some amount of money that God says we need to give. It's really about the attitude we have towards money and how we use it in every aspect. <clears throat> so to dig into that, to explore that, I'd like to use the question that is asked in the story Jesus tells by the, the jerk. I know that's not a nice thing to call him, but look at him. He's self-centered narcissist. He, he's dishonest. He's unjust. He's, he's stealing. Really makes you want to listen to him, right? To learn from him. But here's the thing. In this story, Jesus is taking us from the known to the unknown. So he introduces us to a character that we can all relate to, Mr. Selfish. And I think you know how we can all relate to him because all too often we are him. Making our decisions based on those three key factors, me, myself, and I. We'll get back to that, but first his question. You see it in the text there? It's the first thing he says. Now what shall I do? Jesus today is teaching us to ask that question of ourselves. Now what shall I do? Shall I live for the now or live for the new? Let's set the stage. Jesus is telling this story to uh, demonstrate something to highlight one particular characteristic. He is not telling the story in order to get us to emulate this guy whole cloth. He is not asking us to imitate his selfishness or his, his, his dishonesty or his, uh, his stealing. He's focusing on one particular characteristic. The guy is shrewd. That's 
the lesson Jesus is teaching. That's the characteristic Jesus is illustrating with this story. The man is shrewd. He is prudent. He looks at his situation, and then he looks at his goal, and he figures out what he can do to reach his goal. He's shrewd. Let's listen to the story. This is Luke chapter 16. It's printed in your bulletin there. It starts, Jesus told his disciples. Note that. He's talking to his disciples. That's a word that means a learner. So, So there's a lesson for us to learn here. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called them in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you cannot be a manager any longer. The manager had been given responsibilities, right? The the job of the household manager, the the steward in many translations. It was an important job. It was was just below the family members in, in any big household. This person had full control of all of the assets, of, of all of the resources, the, the wealth, the, the, the business holdings, and, and the job of this person was to work all of that, to run all of that for the good of the master, of the owner. Now, obviously this guy had done something wrong, and he was about to get canned. Now that word, steward, household manager, is one that the Bible uses quite often to describe us, right? We are stewards of what God has given us. Everything we have is from God. And when we think about all of the things that we have and how we use the things we have and how God wants us to use the things that we have, I think more than one of us could find ourselves right with this guy in the story getting canned right? But but here's where we see the guy's shrewdness. He thinks through his situation. Verse 3, the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? There's our question, right? What shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. His options of taking care of himself are not good. But then it strikes him. The steward's great insight is to see that the solution has to come from outside of himself. He does not have the resources in himself to handle this situation. But for just a little bit of time yet, until he turns over the books to the master, he still does have control of his master's stuff. So until he hands over those books, he's got something. Now think about how that correlates to us. We have the things God has given us for, for a set time, right? We, we don't take it with us. And look at what the, the, the steward does. He thinks through his situation. He says, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. These are huge numbers, likely implying a long-term relationship. Like these are the renters on the land that this guy owes, that, that there has been a relationship that is built up, that it gets to the point where there's a debt of 800 gallons of olive oil. So the, the uh, manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. 
Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The steward used the stuff that he was in charge of for the time for his goal. Now, the master here had plenty of reason to be upset with this guy, right? He is giving away his wealth, his money, after he had done whatever he had done to, to get himself fired. But now he's, he's giving all of this stuff away. But, but the steward was also doing something else. He was counting on what he knew about his master. He knew that at, his heart, at heart, his master was merciful. That's the only way this plan works, right? As, as the steward, the manager does this kind thing for these people in a working relationship with his master, he's trusting that the master is going to go along with it. If he doesn't, his whole plan doesn't work. But he knew that his master was at heart merciful. And the master understands this. He does not commend the guy for his dishonesty. Look at what he does commend him for. Verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager, he's calling him dishonest, he commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. That's the point of Jesus' story, acting shrewdly, not dishonestly, acting shrewdly, using what we have for a specific purpose. And then he goes on, Jesus says, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. In other words, we should take a lesson and be more shrewd with the things we've been given, but with a different purpose. That really comes out as Jesus gives the application for this, this parable. Verse 9, I tell you, <clears throat> use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. We have an eternal purpose far greater than anything in this short life. But what we do with this short life matters. Look at verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. (coughs) You cannot serve both God and money. There is only one number one. It's been said there are a lot of things that God will put up with, but being second is not one of them. Our text goes on. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. There's a lot there. But notice the main point. Jesus is not somehow defending this man for his unjust actions. He is simply commending him for how he used the stuff for the time that he had it. Granted, his goal was selfish. It was working toward his own self-preservation. But, but God has given us things and we have a much better goal. We don't have to worry about the self-preservation because God's got that taken care of. We know our master is merciful. We know he's given us those promises and he has given us real riches. He's given us what's valued 
among God instead of what's valued among men. So we should be all the more shrewd with it. And Jesus tells us this story so that we use our money, our resources, for what really matters. And of course, Jesus, the teller of the story, is a perfect example in that. While the parable focused on money, Jesus showed it in every aspect of life, right? He was here for a limited amount of time. 33 years he lived on this earth. And throughout it all, look at how he used his time and resources. Already as a 12-year-old in the temple, he was dedicated to studying God's word, to growing in God's word, to living that God-lived life as a disciple, right? Time and again, we see him committing time to prayer, to go off to pray, to continue to pray. He, he was devoted to building that relationship with his father. He gave his time and energy to others, right? I mean, think about it. He saw the crowds and they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them, giving his time even when it wasn't convenient for, for him. Throughout it all, Jesus was committed to our eternity. He was committed to going up to Jerusalem to be betrayed and beaten, to suffer and die for us. For all the times we put our now life over our new life, he gave his life. He put us first. He remembered our eternity when all we could think about is how to try to enjoy our best life now. He literally saved us from ourselves. And that changes how we look at things. That gives us a new life. Yes, a new life forever in heaven, but even here and now, a new kind of life. A God-lived life. A life as his disciple, a life of service to others, a life of hospitality, and yes, a life lived shrewdly that uses what we've been given in order to live this new life as if it really is as important as it is. So what does that look like for you? Well, take a look at those challenge cards that you got with your bulletin. There's some great ideas on here for ways for you to commit to living a God-lived life that is true, that does take stock of what God has given us and Think about how we can use it in ways that please him. You know your God is merciful. You know he will take care of you. So, so try committing to giving that, that tithe, you know, 10% for a month. See what happens. Or give a Christmas gift to God's house to take care of this place that we come to worship him. Or, or, or take the time to... Plan your budget for next year, remembering what is truly important, and then stick to that. But in all you do, realize why you're doing it. You've got a purpose far better than than self-preservation. So we come back to the question, now what shall I do? May God strengthen you to live a God-lived life, a life lived shrewdly. God grant it in Christ. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.